Hi again, and welcome to the next episode of the Three Worlds Podcast, Series 4, Episode 3. And um, in the last series of the podcast, uh, Series 3, Episodes 1, 2, and 3, I talked about uh, Windhorse. Windhorse being the kind of the shaman's power and the way we accumulate power and kind of bring good things to us, bring karma to us in a good way, etc., etc. And today I'm going to talk a kind of a continuation about that, talking about merit. Now, I start my days, most days, by looking at Facebook and, uh, you know, I kind of scroll down and see what's happening a little bit. Not a huge amount, but a little bit. And this morning I came across um, an advert for a two-day Zoom retreat this weekend coming up for me, um, working with the the magic of a Tibetan being called Simamuka or Sengidongma. Sengidongma in Tibetan and uh, Simamuka in uh, in Sanskrit. And uh, she's a, a powerful dude that I already work with, so I was intrigued by this and interested. She's the lion-headed Dakini in, in English. And uh, her way of working is mostly about sending back curses and sending back... Um, the grib, the uh, contaminations that we pick up through various means. And I'm actually going to be talking about curses coming up in a later edition of this podcast. But anyway, anyway, it was a two-day retreat on Zoom and somebody put a comment in the comments like, God, I'm really envious of people who can do a two-day Zoom retreat on a weekend, for goodness sake. How do they find the time? And somebody replied to that and said, be happy for these people because that will generate the merit for you to also be able to attend these things. And that summed up. That was just so amazingly fortuitous this morning, seeing that before I did this podcast, because it summed up so much about what it is that I want to talk about. I want to talk about merit. Now, the Tibetan word for merit is sonam, which in typical Tibetan spelling is spelt B, which you don't say, silent B, S-O-D, which you don't say, N-A-M-S, so basod nams, but you actually say it sonam, which is much easier to say. Sonam means merit. Uh, there's Sanskrit words and there's probably a, a Mongolian word, which is probably based on the on the Tibetan word too, but it may be an individual Mongolian word. I honestly don't know. But when I was traveling in Mongolia a few weeks ago, this was a subject that came up a great deal, a great deal from from the shamans. And the shamans were were leaning on me in, in a, a delightful way, saying, you need to post about this. You need to post about merit. You need to write about merit. You need to speak out about merit. Post in the Facebook group. Write an article in Sacred Hoop, etc., etc. So 
I'm kind of doing that because I agree it's something that's really important. The shamans looked at the West and they said, merit is so lacking here. And then they said, well, merit is a sort of Buddhist, it's a Buddhist phrase, but they said it's much older than Buddhism and it's been central to shamanism for such a long time. And of course, they're absolutely right about that too. So I'm going to talk about merit because it really is important. Merit is right action. Merit is doing the right thing. And when you do the right thing, you put yourself in alignment with creation and things come back to you. So, you know, that post on Facebook this morning, be happy for these people that can afford the time to do this two day retreat, because if you are happy, you will generate good merit. If you are pleased for these people, if you wish them well, you will generate good merit. And that good merit will improve your wind horse and your wind horse will attract the positive ability for you to have good things return to you. This is so central. This is so central to any shamanic way, any spiritual way, really. We have to live in good relationship. And good relationship means that we don't pick up the grib, the pollution, and our wind horse is increased. And when our wind horse is increased, doors open, the path becomes easier, life happens in a smoother way. It may not happen straight away, it may not happen this lifetime. But the teachings are that if we generate merit, it will come back to us. Now, merit there's many ways of generating merit and there's many ways of losing merit. We generate merit by our actions in the world and by our thoughts. But we have to generate that merit by being non-attached. We can't think, hey, if I do something really good, it's going to come back to me because that's going to destroy any possible merit that you actually might accumulate from the positive Good. It has to be done in an altruistic, non-attached way. So we live a decent life. We live a good life. You know, if you're walking down the road and you enjoy stepping on the ants, which I have to confess I did as a little child, that's going to not bring you good merit. But if you do things in life that are beneficial for other people, that will bring you good merit. You know, last time I did a podcast, the last episode, I talked about praying for a teacher to come. If you haven't got a teacher, you make offerings. That is building merit. That is kind of putting yourself in the right space, in the right kind of energetic field that's going to attract the positives to come. You have to be sincere. You have to be real with it. But you do that to build merit, not because you want to build merit, but because doing it is the right thing, is, is the kind of compassionate thing. Now, compassion 
is a strange word. I sometimes get people giving me flack on Facebook because I show compassion for somebody who has done some heinous crime. Maybe maybe somebody has murdered somebody in a horrific way. And I have compassion for the entire situation. I have compassion for the murderer as well as the victim. And people say to me, how can you have compassion for that? You know, I get it when I'm talking about the death penalty sometimes because I'm staunchly anti-death penalty. For me, the death penalty is not compassion. It damages society. It ripples out in its destruction of merit and creates a more kind of fragmented and less harmonious, less meritful society. You may disagree with that, but I'm right. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I talk about merit. I talk about compassion, rather, um, as as treating somebody in a in a fair and humane way. And people misunderstand that by kind of thinking I'm all lovey-dovey and wanting to kind of forgive them and be all nice to them and and whatever. Compassion can be really tough. Compassion can murder people in its own way. It can kill people. Padmasambhava had great compassion for some members of his family. Uh, because he saw that they were stuck in a bad karmic situation. So he liberated them. He killed them. That's compassion. He did it from a place of an enlightened being. If we do it, that's not necessarily going to be from that place because we're not kind of that wise. But compassion is tough. Compassion walks through the world with a big stick sometimes because a big stick is needed. But it is still compassion. When I'm working with spirits that are perhaps the spirit of an illness, I liberate them very often. And I've talked about that in the past. Liberating means that the suffering being, the suffering spirit that is causing illness, needs to be rescued from that karma, from its bad environment, from its bad birth, so that it is killed in effect. And then it achieves a better rebirth. So compassion is a tough thing. So we have to generate that compassion. But compassion is not vengefulness. If we're vengeful about things, we're not going to gain merit because our altruistic, loving, compassionate, aware, awake self is not engaged. We are lashing out. If you lash out, you don't gain merit. If you act with compassion a sense of kind of innocence almost, then you do gain compassion. So it's right action. Like, okay, a hunter may be out hunting and they're kind of cavalier and laughing and messing about and enjoying shooting the animal. They're not doing it from a place of respect. They're not doing it from a place of compassion in any way, shape or form. I'm not anti-hunting done for food. I'm totally against sport hunting for trophies because there's absolute negative merit in that. That's going to pollute you. That's going to cause you to lose wind horse. That's going to uh, create pollution, grib for you, contamination. But if you're hunting for food, for me, that's okay. But it's not okay if you are doing it in that cavalier, kind of uncompassionate, uncaring way. 
you're going to not generate merit for yourself. However, if you go hunting and you are taught in the right way and you make an offering to the spirit of the animal and you are respectful, and there's many different cultural ways of doing this. I was listening to a Native American guy talking a few days ago. He was saying that in his culture, when they shoot a deer or something like that, they put a whole bundle of different herbs and grasses into the mouth of the deer and they make prayers and they do all sorts of things like that. And that's making offerings to the spirit of the deer. If you approach it in that way, respectfully, caring for the spirit of the deer, the, the brother or sister that you have just shot, then that isn't going to destroy merit. That's going to improve your merit because you are actually doing something in a loving and caring and right way. So merit is about right action. It's about the right attitude. Actually, attitude is in a way more important than action because you know, two people could be hunting and doing exactly the same action, but with different attitudes. The attitude is the important thing. You'll often hear the phrase, for all my relations, metakoyeo yasin in Lakota. Uh, and um, that means that when you do a ceremony, you are doing it for all beings. You are aware that you are part of the web of life. And so when you do some form of sacred practice, a sweat lodge, a pipe ceremony, whatever, in that particular tradition, then you are doing it for all life. And that is generating merit for yourself. When you go out into nature and maybe you want to cut a piece of wood, you know, you want to branch off a tree, you talk to the tree, you make an offering uh, I was taught to make an offering of tobacco. Nowadays, I tend to make other offerings like little stones or a pinch of, uh, of cornmeal or something like that. But whatever it is, the important thing is that you're approaching it in a reverential way, in a, in a sacred manner, and that you are entering into that circle of reciprocity. You are giving away because the tree is giving away and you are talking to the tree about what it is that you're going to do and approaching it in a sacred way. That is so important. In Buddhism, they have a long-winded way of saying it, which goes something along the lines of, I dedicate this practice to all sentient beings so that all sentient beings may reach enlightenment or whatever. It's exactly the same thing. I just say for my relations because it's exactly the same thing. So living a life that generates merit will be beneficial to you. It's a way for you to gain power. So you give away things. It's like maybe maybe you're really generous. Maybe you give lots of things to charity. Maybe you are really generous about giving stuff to friends. Whatever it is, you are really, really generous. That may or may not generate merit for you. If you're doing it because you feel a kind of desire inside because you're not good enough. And so you are desperate to be seen in the world as a good person because you have that low esteem place inside you. That's not going to generate merit for you. If you do it because you don't care about doing it, you just do it because it's 
you don't just don't care. You're just unattached to the possessions. You're unattached to the money. And therefore, it matters not a jot to you that you give it away. That will generate merit for you because you're unattached. You're not seeking a reward. That again comes down to attitude. So two people could be giving, giving so much to charity, but their attitudes could be completely different and the one will gain merit and the other won't. So we have to look at ourselves. A lot of people are kind of hungry inside. They're hungry for love. They're hungry for respect. They're hungry for recognition. And if they are giving away because of that and because their their self-esteem is low, that needs to be something that we are aware of. And we need to work with that to kind of balance ourselves. In a way, all of these concepts are kind of connected. They're connected to the way we're born with the wind horse stash that we bring in, the kind of energy in the bank that we kind of arrive with, and that will determine the sort of family that we're born into and the life situation so that we are in a kind of environment that sort of trains our mind so that we have a perception of the world. And that will affect the way that we approach merit too. This is all about personal power and all about self-healing and working on ourselves so that we are really ironing out those kinks in our personality, those uh, defects in the operating system, as I often say, the operating system being the kind of uh, programming that happens from birth onwards. The Tibetan word sonam is a name too. And basically, if you're translating the name into English, you would translate it as lucky. Somebody who is lucky is lucky because they have good wind horse. They have good wind horse because in the past they have generated merit through the way that they have lived. So Tibetan parents might call their child Sonam lucky as a way of kind of well it's like a it's like a, a sweet name you know it's it's and it's encouraging merit to be generated by that child because they are reminded of it all the time by their name and it also is like a blessing given to the child so luck is actually a really good way of thinking about it if you want to be lucky generate merit but don't generate merit because you want to be lucky. That's the catch-22. That's the paradox. You can't grasp at it. It's like a butterfly. You grasp at the butterfly and the movement of your hands makes the butterfly go away. You have to kind of just let the butterfly land on your hand without you trying. So, OK, some good ways to generate merit, to generate sonam. Do a daily practice. Do a daily practice, which is like being in the gym, doing that weight training every day that you have to do for your spiritual power lifts. When you do weight training in that way, when you do a daily practice, you are generating merit. You are connecting to the sacred. You are building stamina. And if you dedicate that practice to all sentient beings, to all beings that are suffering so that all beings have happiness, then that is a really great way of generating merit. Be straightforward in your dealings with people as much as you're able to be. Try not to lie. Try to be kind of fair and honest. That too generates merit. 
make offerings to people and beings, you know, spirit people. I'm thinking of things like making offerings to the hungry ghosts or just putting out bread for the birds. Whatever it is that you do, if you do it with that open heartedness, knowing that you are part of life and all other beings are part of life, that is a good way of generating merit. You can go on and become much more kind of altruistic and make donations to charities and whatever if you want to. That's fine. But again, you have to do it from that place of unattached loving kindness, not from the place of, hey, I'm doing a really cool thing here. Yo-ho. In your shamanic practice, um, something that I've spoken about in the past, which I kind of find very difficult, is the way that shamanism has become a business in the West. Now, like I've said before, we all have to eat, you know, but if you are just thinking about shamanism in a kind of monetary way and thinking of it as a business, you know, like being a plumber or something like that, then you're setting about doing it in a way that isn't necessarily going to create a lot of merit unless you are also very generous and kind-hearted. If you are willingly giving away time to people, helping them doing things in a, in a way because you are compassionate and caring about what they are going through and therefore you are available to them, then that will generate merit. But if you are utterly closed-minded and just charged by the hour and do it like a plumber, and I'm sure some plumbers are lovely people that actually do an awful lot of compassionate work too. I'm not besmirching plumbers. Uh, but if you're doing it as a kind of secular business, then that's taking the spirit away from it. For me, and I've said this before too, and I wrote about it in my book, a shaman is a kind of holy person. A shaman is somebody that walks very connected to the sacred, and they have to be in that way, in a connected way. I'm, I'm using the term holy person uh, like the Native American phrase as a holy person, which is a deeply connected person. It's not about being holier than thou or some kind of whitewashed being that looks great on the outside but actually isn't inside. A holy person is somebody that is really, really connected to the sacred and lives their life on trust. And trust is actually a big thing with seeking merit or trying to attract merit because if you don't trust and you're fearful, then merit will flee from you. You have to kind of develop that fearlessness, that unattachment again. It's unattachment to the consequences almost so that you are living in trust and able to completely let go of any kind of grasping in yourself. That grasping, that grasping is uh, like a self-protection, a self-cherishing that we do, which is a not healthy self-cherishing. We all have to look after ourselves. We all have to make sure that we eat the right food and get the right amount of sleep and don't put our body into physical danger and all of those sorts of things. But there's another sort of looking after ourselves, which is the self-protecting. It's the self-grasping. And it often arises out of fear because we define ourselves and therefore anything that challenges our perception of ourself is a threat. And so we wrap ourselves up and keep ourselves away from anything that is going to rock the equilibrium of ourselves. 
we grasp onto ourselves. We are self-grasping, self-protecting. So to be fearless, to enable merit to come to us because we trust in life and trust the universe is part of the personal work that we all have to do if we want to be powerful people. We have to kind of go into that place of warriorship. Warriorship, again, is something that I've talked about in the past in these podcasts. A warrior fights the enemies within themselves, kind of always on our own case so that we become self-aware. And being self-aware increases our ability to manifest and hold on to Windhorse and it removes the blocks that stop us generating merit. All things are connected. Of course, one thing about merit is that it's not anything to do with guilt and shame and blame. You know, we can't kind of live a good life because the Bible tells us that we must, or the church tells us that we must, or the local imam tells us that we must or whatever, you can't live a good life because of society saying you've got to be this way and if you are this way, you are a good person. There's no merit in that either. A warrior has to be free of all of those things. It's the good old impeccability that dear old Carlos the novelist talked about. Carlos Castaneda, great books, not at all true, but lots of truths in them in a kind of philosophical way and he talks about warriorship and I define warriorship and being impeccable as not being at the effect of anybody any place in any way and if you're seeking that then you're going to generate merit because you're no longer fearful you're living a truly sacred life being compassionate and open-hearted and not kind of abiding by those rules that society puts on you, but being a nice person at the same time. It's like, you know, you are a human being that is not suffering anymore. Suffering beings make other beings suffer. If you are not suffering, then you will not make other beings suffer and you will in fact help them by stopping their suffering. And if you are doing things to stop other beings from suffering, then merit will flow like water. And on that almost biblical kind of sounding statement, God, I open my mouth sometimes and so much stuff falls out. Um, I shall talk briefly about that good old Sacred Hoop magazine and encourage you all to subscribe to it. And uh, you can do so by going to sacredhoop.org forward slash offer.html. I shall say, if you've enjoyed these ramblings and would like to read my book, which is probably a little bit more coherent because I thought about it and edited it and all of those kind of things, instead of just opening my mouth and letting words fall out, Walking with the Tiger, available from Amazon and available as a paperback and available as a Kindle kind of ebook thing. My Three Worlds uh, website with ritual objects from Tibet and Mongolia and other places and information about the use of ritual objects. You know me, I'm a big fan of ritual objects. They are the bee's knees. They so rock. 
So I love ritual objects and I put that passion into the Three Worlds uh, website, uh, you know, the gallery and, and all the stuff that I do regarding that. If you are appreciative of the things that I do and would like to support me on Patreon, I would be very grateful. You can go to Patreon, which is a, a Patreon, for those of you who don't know, it is a website which enables you to pay a small amount of money each month to support artists and people who kind of inspire you or you think are doing good things or whatever. And uh, you just pledge a certain amount of money per month until you're fed up with doing it and then you stop. Um, and then that person kind of collects the money at the end of the month. And uh, there are various people that support me on Patreon. Uh, and you can find me there under my name, Nicholas Breezewood. With Patreon, people pledge generally very small amounts. Don't think that you have to kind of pledge a large amount because uh, it's it's made up of people pledging very small amounts generally. Um there's a, a catchphrase from a famous British supermarket, which is every little helps. And it's certainly true. So Patreon is a great way of supporting people that kind of inspire you in inverted commas. Artists, musicians, eco-activists, all sorts of people are on it. It's well worth having a look and, uh, and seeing if there are people that you'd like to support on it. My email address, nick at sacredhoop.org. I hope very much that you've enjoyed listening to this ramble and i'm going to come back next week and i'm going to be talking about the darker stuff we're going to talk about curses oh curses so there you go um i'm finishing this series of podcasts with different bits of medieval music if you don't like it you can stop listening to the podcast at this point and don't have to listen to the music but Hopefully you enjoy it because, you know, I think medieval music along with ritual objects are the bee's knees or is the bee's knees. So here's another piece. I've no idea what it'll be because I haven't decided yet. So it's going to be a surprise to all of us. Have fun, folks. See you next week. Bye bye.